You're listening to the First Baptist Church of America's podcast. If you have any questions about our church, please check us out online at fbcamericas.org. This week we continue our journey through John's Gospel with Brother Keith's message, The Progression of Faith, as we finish up chapter 4 in John. Amen. Do you believe that if you have Jesus, what else do you need? That song, I ask you to meditate on it as they were playing it, because that song has a special significance to us. The song was written by David Danner, both the words and the music. David died suddenly of a heart attack in February of 1993. At the age of 41, he wrote the song earlier and it was published in our hymnal along with another of his songs, Give Me Jesus. Our choir has sung that one. But at the age of 41, he died suddenly of a heart attack. And so the hymnal came out and David died in in February. And just a few months later, Judy and I were at church music conference at Ridgecrest and we sang that song in David's memory along with give me Jesus and I'll never forget that 2,000 church musicians singing about Jesus Christ who in compassion gives us his song of life and of joy and of love and it was like every note mattered that we were singing. And I can still remember it. It made such an impact on me. But I was thinking about David Danner leaving his wife and two young daughters. Think about the cloud of despair that must have come over them. Some of you know exactly what I'm talking about because you've had that same experience. You've suddenly lost a spouse or a a parent, or a child. So you know what that cloud of despair feels like. Judy and I, week before last, before school started, we wanted to take a couple of days, so we went over to Jekyll Island, stayed there a couple of days, and Friday night we were in the restaurant, and we watched as a terrible thunderstorm rolled in. You could see it. You've been there. And you've experienced the black cloud as it comes in. You see it and it's like day becomes night. And we're sitting in the restaurant and it it, uh, begins to lightning and, and thunder. The thunder is rolling and the rain is pouring as this storm overtakes that area. But as you look around the restaurant, people are still eating. People are still talking. People are still laughing while the storm outside is raging. Now, what if, what if we could face the storms of life with that same attitude? That no matter what comes, no matter how dark it is, that we keep on eating, we keep on talking, we keep on living, as if we trusted the one who controls everything. What would that be like in your life? Well, I think our passage this morning helps us to deal with the storms that come in life. Now, 
I want to do more than just teach you the Bible. I want to get to the place that I can help you to see the truth of the Bible so that you apply the truth to the life that you live. You don't need more knowledge because the knowledge won't do you any good. But you do need to learn how to apply the knowledge that you gain from Sunday school and worship service and Bible studies. You need to apply that to the life that you're living every day that you live because we need it. I think this passage would help us to do that. Remember in our study of John, we're, we're moving and we're watching Jesus as He's relating to people of all kinds. And Jesus had been in Judea and He was on the way to Galilee and He went through Samaria and that's where He met with the Samaritan woman. And so they go back to Cana. You'll remember that from earlier in the, the book where Jesus did His first sign, His first miracle of turning water into wine. And so in today's passage, we'll see the second sign that John records. The healing of the official's son. Now, it's not the second miracle that Jesus performed, but it's the second one of Jesus coming from Judea into Galilee. And through this sign, Jesus is giving a lesson in faith. And we'll see here that there is a progression of faith. And so I want to point out three stages of faith for those who follow Jesus. Jesus and his disciples left Judea going into Galilee and they left because of resistance that was coming up by the Pharisees. We're told in verse 45 that the Galileans welcomed Jesus. They had heard what Jesus had done in Jerusalem. Whole communities would travel to Jerusalem for the feasts. And so many of these people were probably in Jerusalem for the Passover and they saw Jesus doing signs and wonders and miracles as John tells us in chapter 2 verse 23 speaks of his the miracles that he was doing well Jesus returned to Cana and this is three to four months after he turned the water into wine and so by now people knew him they knew about him they knew what he was all about and so there was a royal official in Capernaum and his son was ill and at the point of death this man had one of those storms of life that overtake us he was experiencing that and so when he heard that Jesus was in Cana he immediately made that 20 mile trip from Capernaum to ask Jesus to heal his son that's about a day's walk but he was desperate, and he went to Cana from Capernaum. Now, again, remember and notice all of the geographical reference points in the Bible. They can be verified. We were in Capernaum this past spring, and we walked on the same street that this man walked on. It can be verified. So here we have another personal face-to-face -face meeting with the Lord of creation. This man meeting with Jesus. This was a man. He was a man of position and influence. Remember the Samaritan woman? A woman had no position, no influence. But John is continuing to show us that anyone can come to Jesus. Anyone. Doesn't matter your race. 
doesn't matter your social standing, anyone can come to Jesus. So let's look at three stages of faith that this man experienced through a life-changing meeting with Jesus. It's a progression. First of all, the initial faith. This man had heard about Jesus, and he had heard enough to know that Jesus gives hope. He had heard that. Maybe he had seen it. Verse 47 said, When this man heard that Jesus had arrived in Galilee from Judea, he went to him and begged him to come and heal his son, who was close to death. Now, he had heard all the talk about Jesus. Maybe, as I said, he had seen him. He had seen the miracles for himself. And the fact that the official went to Jesus is itself an act of faith. Because, see, faith begins with a belief or a thought. But it always leads to an action. Or it should always lead to an action. According to James, faith without action is what? Dead. It's dead faith. It serves no purpose at all. If you don't put action to your faith, then your faith is of no benefit to you or to anyone else. And I'll say more about that in just a moment. But this man had heard the testimony about Jesus, and he believed that Jesus could help. So he acted on that belief. The world accuses believers of having blind faith. But our faith is not blind. It's based on reason. Think about it. Reason is the power of the mind to think and to form judgments logically. It's how we make decisions about everything. About buying a house, buying a car, getting married, having children. No matter what we do, we reason it out and we make judgments. And we make decisions based on what we have reasoned. Isaiah said, come, let us reason together. So as believers and followers of Christ, we are to engage our mind and think about what scriptures tell us. We are to think about the testimonies that we hear from other people. We are, we are to evaluate what we see and what we hear we are to discern the movement and the working of the Holy Spirit in our midst. So we are to reason and make judgment for ourselves. So ours is a reasonable faith. It's reasonable. The fact is that everyone lives by faith. Everyone. The question is, what is your faith in? See, even an atheist lives by faith his or her faith may be in secularism or individualism or some other kind of ism, but it's a belief that can't be proven, so it requires faith to live it, faith to believe it. So our purpose as a church, one of the purposes, is to direct people to Jesus, constantly funneling the beliefs of people so that Jesus becomes more and more the object of people's faith. Just funneling in all these things that we need to get rid of. The, the things that we put our faith in. But to funnel attention to Jesus. Now this official, he connected the hope of Jesus with his own real need. See, he reasoned wisely and he turned to Jesus for help. So here's a man that storm had 
overtaken his life. His, his son was dying, and he had the faith to go to Jesus and ask him to heal his son. But look at the response of Jesus in verse 48. He said, unless you people see miraculous signs and wonders, Jesus told him, you will never believe. See, Jesus knew that faith built on nothing but miracles is not complete faith. So here's a man, he's in despair. And it sounds like Jesus is being cold-hearted. But Jesus is taking him deeper. It's almost like he's wanting to put him off, but the man won't be put off. And he takes another step. He goes deeper in his faith. Because that's what Jesus does. He takes us deeper in faith. That's what He did with Nicodemus. That's what He did with the Samaritan woman. That's what He does with us. He wants to take us deeper in our faith. Well, the official's faith was progressing. Look in verse 49. Sir, he's intense. Sir, come down before my child dies. And literally that says, before my little boy dies. And I can imagine as this conversation is taking place that there is eye contact both ways. The desperation of the man and the compassion of Jesus. As he's begging Jesus to come with him and heal his son. Have you ever been in that position with Jesus? That something has come into your life and you are desperate. And you're begging Jesus to do something about it. Maybe not looking into his physical eyes like this man, but gazing on the face of Jesus. We've all been there. And Jesus said, go. Your son will live. I can imagine the eye contact still there. Go. Your son will live. Now, that is God-like. Who can speak a word over distance and over time and someone be healed? God does things like that. Jesus does things like that. And there must have been a few seconds of silence as the man heard Jesus say, Go, your son will live. And the man is standing there watching and looking at Jesus. Can I believe what he is telling me? And he did. See, the man was basically begging Jesus to go with him to Capernaum before his son died. But Jesus said, no, I'm not going with you. But you go, your son will live. Now that's a reminder to us that Jesus doesn't always do what we ask Him to do, and He doesn't do when we ask Him to do it, and how we ask Him to do it. But He does want us to trust Him to do it. This man did. Underline the last part of verse 50. The man took Jesus at His word and departed. I think here is the key to the Christian life. Faith in Jesus and action based on that faith. Faith in Jesus and then you act on that faith. The man took Jesus at His word and departed. See, in departing, he obeyed. He proved that he believed because he went. And he went in hope. It's not the amount of faith that you have. It's not the strength of your faith. It's the object of your faith that matters. The object of your faith. 
How much faith do I need in this pew to believe it will hold me up? How much faith do I need in this pew? Only enough to sit on it. See, the rest of it is up to the integrity of the pew. Isn't it the same way with Jesus? We pray in faith, and then just enough faith to go to Him. And then the rest is up to Him. The ability to hold me up like that pew, or the ability to hold us up, is completely in Jesus Christ. Now look at it another way. The, the light switch it has no power. If we were to flip lights on, let's see if this will work. There's no power in this switch. The power comes from somewhere else. But the switch serves as a conduit that connects us to the power of the electricity that powers the lights. And again, that's the same way with our faith. It's a switch that connects and becomes the conduit through which the power of Christ flows in us. And then the action takes place. See, there's action going on. You may not see the action, but you see the result of it. Let your light so shine before men that they may see. And see, that's your faith at work. This man had no assurance that what Jesus said would happen. But he believed. And he departed. He went away. He acted on that faith. So the official's initial faith in Jesus was one thing. It was good. But that's not enough. Initial faith must become saving faith. And that's the next step. That's the next in the progression. Initial faith becomes saving faith. Now, we can believe in Jesus. We can believe in all the miracles that Jesus did. We can believe of the testimonies of people about what Jesus is doing and has done in their lives. But belief in Jesus has to become trust. We have to transfer that just initial belief to trust that by faith you put your life in the hands of Jesus. That's what salvation is. By faith you put your trust, you put your life in the hands of Jesus because God said in Christ you will be redeemed. You will be reconciled to me. It's through Christ. So do we believe that? That's where faith becomes trust. And I think this happened to this official on the way back to his house. It's about a day's journey, so he's on the way back. And on the way, his servants met him. And they gave him the news that his little boy was well, just like Jesus had promised. And then the officials started reasoning. He started putting it all together. The boy got better at the same time that Jesus was telling him that the boy would get better. And he's thinking this through. His initial faith became saving faith when he realized and believed that Jesus was Lord of life. That Jesus was able to do what He said He would do. And this sign, this sign is a reminder to us that Jesus is sovereign over time. He's sovereign over distance. He's sovereign over sickness. And that new life comes through Him by faith. It's exactly what He was telling Nicodemus. Exactly what He was telling the Samaritan woman. 
new life comes through him by faith. Initial faith becomes saving faith, but there's another step. And this is a step that so many people don't want to take. That's contagious faith. Contagious faith. Verse 53 says, So he and all his household believed. Remember the Samaritan woman, after she had experienced new life through Christ, she went back to her town and she said, Come see a man. Come see this man. And don't you know this man did the same thing? He went back to his town, starting with his own family, and he said, let me tell you what this man Jesus has done. Jesus used a physical problem to meet a spiritual need. So don't let the physical trouble that you're going through right now be wasted. Let it be used to grow your faith because God uses physical problems to grow us, to deepen our faith. Faith, as I said, leads to action. Just like the light brings on the action of the electricity in those lights. Faith leads to action. And it's your actions that people see. And your actions give evidence of Jesus Christ in your life. Not only in your life, but in this world. And not only do people see our actions, but you know what? They see our reactions too. Our reactions to trouble. Our reaction to angry people. Our reactions. They see that as well. And they ought to be seeing in us Christ-likeness. Why would someone want what you have as a Christian if you are constantly negative? And if you are constantly full of doubt and fear? Why would someone want that? Why would someone want what you have as a Christian if you are always angry and mean and judgmental? See, people aren't lining up for somebody to be mean to them. They're not lining up to have someone judge them. So why would people want what you have as a Christian if Jesus offers peace and love and hope, and joy, then people ought to be seeing in us peace, and love, and joy, and hope, and so much more. See, we ought to be taking on the character of Christ more and more every day that we live. Is your faith contagious? Do people want what you have? I want to do better at this. I want to separate the circumstances of my life so that my joy is evident no matter what. Sometimes on Sunday night, I go home and I'm just depressed. Or Monday morning, I'm depressed because I'm thinking about all the people that didn't come to church on Sunday morning. So y'all quit stealing my joy. No, I want to separate that. That my joy is more and more dependent upon the presence of Christ in my heart and not on the circumstances of my life. And see, if we are Christians, then we ought to look like Christians. We ought to act like Christians. 
in the way we deal with people, the way we deal with circumstances. It ought to make a difference in our lives. Someone has said this, that life-giving faith grows pure and beautiful the same place gold grows pure and beautiful. Where is that? In the fire. In the furnace. See, we're told to expect suffering. Jesus suffered. And if we are following Jesus, then we will suffer. It's a part of this world. It's a part of a fallen world, suffering is. But when we suffer, we'll grow in our faith. Well, this encounter ended with the man getting what he asked for. What about when that doesn't happen? When you plead with Jesus to take this away. What about when you don't get what you're pleading for, like this man did? Will you continue in your faith, trusting the outcome to His good and perfect will? See, if you don't, if you get angry when God doesn't answer your prayers the way you want Him to, then you are going to God and you're going to Jesus just for what you can get out of it. You're going to Him for what He can give you, not for Jesus Himself. But see, when we retrain our minds and we go to Christ and we follow Him because of Jesus, not because of what we get out of following Jesus, but we just go because of Jesus, then it changes our outlook on life. And it changes the way we accept the things that come into our life. And if it doesn't, then what's the point? And if people don't see that taking place in your life, then what's the point? We're left here for the purpose of other people, of being a witness for Christ. So when the storm threatens your life, what will you do? Do what this man did. Take your problem to Jesus. Take it to Him and trust Him to take care of your problem according to His will. Just trust Him. Don't tell Him how you want it fixed. Now, I'm telling you something I need to tell myself. Because I'm good at telling Jesus and telling God, here's what you need to do. But can we learn to trust Him and open-handed? Lord, here's my problem. I trust you with it. In other words, this is saying to us, live by faith. Live by faith. If Jesus is who He says He is, then He is for you. And He's for me. And if He doesn't change your circumstances, He will certainly change the way you look at your circumstances. Remember Jesus said when He ascended back to heaven that He would send a helper. He would send someone in His place and it would be better that He go so that the Holy Spirit could come. Do you know what that means? It means you don't have to walk 20 miles to ask Jesus to help you with your problem because He is nearer than you think. Remember too that it wasn't the little boy's faith that healed him. Whose faith was it? It was the father's faith. Interceding on behalf of the little boy. So as we close this morning, I'd like to ask you, who in your family needs a touch from Jesus? Either physically or spiritually. Who in your family needs a touch 
from Jesus? And do you have the faith to believe that He will act based on your faith in action? Have you thought about somebody in your family? Are you thinking? If you have, I want to ask you right now, this is a little unusual for us, but I want to ask you to stand as an act of faith on behalf of this person, maybe a friend, maybe somebody in your family who needs a physical touch or a spiritual touch. And by standing, it's as if you are bringing this need before the Lord. Would you stand right now? See, we are more alike than we realize. That's all of us. Do you realize how much we need Jesus? Yet we try to live the life on our own and in our own strength. But you know the life that will bring a smile to God's face is the life lived in faith. Because no one pleases the Father without faith. So as you go, watch for the way Jesus will work in the lives of the people that you are standing for right now. Let's pray. Father, we stand as an act of faith. And Lord, just looking at this room, we realize that we are all in need. So Lord, we lift these needs to You in the name of Jesus, Your Son. And Lord, we trust You to do what is best and what is according to Your good and perfect will. And Lord, would You be honored in the process. In Jesus' name we all pray. Amen.